welcome to Dice Over Everything, the Miniatures Gaming Podcast. All right, so... And no catchphrase, sorry. No, we, we have no catchphrase because I, I believe those have to evolve organically and, you know... Uh, no, I think you can force it and then yeah. integrate them organically. Either way, we haven't done either, though. Oh, you just keep trying to come up with... You just keep throwing crap at the wall and yeah, see yeah. what sticks? Yeah. Dice over everything. Where... Where not much crap sticks? What? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyways, what are we doing today? Oh, I think we're going to talk about the game mechanics. We don't... We think people threw at the wall, and we think they don't stick. Okay. Ah, yeah. So just like our lack of or our inability to uh, come up with catchphrases, oftentimes game developers have an inability to realize some of the mechanics that they're using are terrible. And so what we want to do is go over the top 10 worst game mechanics for miniatures, tabletop miniatures gaming. Uh, so... I was I actually found this pretty hard. Maybe we should have done top five, mm-hmm. but top ten was quite a lot. And I realized, you know, like there's a lot of, of mechanics where, and even some of the ones that are that that are, I'm gonna list, uh, where they're not actually bad in moderation, right? But sometimes there are certain mechanics that I've seen just implemented terribly or are prone to being implemented badly that I wanted to go over. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Like I was thinking of like certain rules where I don't like it in the game, but like I don't necessarily not like the mechanic. It just may not suit the setting. So that didn't really, those ones didn't come into the list. So like mm. the mechanics have to be suited for the game, but these mechanics that I've listed are things that I think are just like, they don't belong anywhere. <laughs> I'm surprised you got to 10. For me, I feel like some of them are like, they're okay in a little bit, but they're not really, like I would rather them not, <laughs> not be in any of the games that I play, but, like, I can see it if you put it in. It's fine. And sometimes some of them, I think, are even good with if you just tweak it down and keep it small. But, like I said, these mechanics are things that I've seen a lot of games kind of uh, have problems. And I didn't want to just bash on uh, Warhammer 40,000, because I know there's, like, that's the motherload of, like, terrible game mechanics in the current uh, edition just because you know part of it is just historically right it's so old and and it's uh it has so much history where they were just throwing a whole bunch of things that they thought were interesting and you know if you created a new game today you would learn from the mistakes that 440,000 did uh and you would just you know avoid the things that are not so great but Warhammer 40,000, having so much histo- history behind it, and so many people who are kind of addicted to that type of gameplay, and they want the game to, to be similar to, to how they played, the, the, the developers can't push past the problems inherent in a lot of the issues with Warhammer 40,000. No, it wouldn't so, be Warhammer 40k anymore. Yeah, so we could have just done like the top 10 worst game mechanics in Warhammer 40,000, but... Uh, I try to do a, a wider array of things, uh, and honestly, I don't play Warhammer 40,000 anymore. So to me, they're not even as big of a deal. All the problems with Warhammer 40,000 because uh, I don't usually play games with those problems in them. Well, so, this isn't even like a, a complaint about Ninth Edition. This we could like have gripes about old versions that had bad mechanics, which they did. Oh fix. yeah, that's true. So. That's true. Mm-hmm. All right. I don't know. I feel like 40k has had trouble. Uh, moving away from obvious issues 
because, and I don't want to say any specific things because of spoilers, uh, but because of even though they've updated a whole bunch of additions, they couldn't, like I said, they couldn't move away from the basic structure. Otherwise, people would revolt for like a little while. This is one thing I learned actually. Uh, you know, um, bolt action. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, we've, we've played a few of those systems. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So Rick Priestley, apparently, um, the reason why, partially why he left Games Workshop is because they refused to allow him to um, change up Warhammer 40,000 significantly. Was and this so pre- or post-apocalypse being created? What do you mean? Oh, the, the Apocalypse version of 40K. Was this before Apocalypse got created, or was Apocalypse, it? Apocalypse rules are just... Uh, this is pre. Mm. Uh, but this Apocalypse rules... Do you mean the original Apocalypse rules or the new ones? Because the, the new, new one is is just Titanicus, and that's yeah. significantly older, so he did... He, did he, I, don't, I don't think he created them, but he was at the company uh, when those were created. So it's post those rules, except that was only for Super Mini, like, Five ten millimeter, uh, uh, Warhammer forty thousand. Mm-hmm. But he left apparently because they didn't want they refused to allow him to uh, iterate significantly and move away from Warhammer forty thousand. And so he basically took those ideas and made bolt action. Yep, their system's fun. Good. Yeah, so I just thinking like, what would a forty Warhammer forty k version of uh, uh, bolt action be? Probably be pretty good. Yeah. Oh well. Let's let's go through some of these. Also, these that might be hearsay. I heard that from like a guy on the internet, so it also might be both total bullshit. Anyways. All right. On the note of bullshitting, let's get going. Yeah. All right. So, what is your tenth worst top uh, top ten tenth worst uh, game mechanic for tabletop industry gaming? And I guess we'll alternate who starts. So. Uh, I guess you start for number 10, and then we'll go through. So I, I've got this in no particular order, actually. So What? All right, oh, I'll do oh, it no. while you quickly do the order. Oh, no, no, no. Right. actually, no, no, I can start. I can I can do this easily. Let's, let's start right here. Number one? All right. This is so number easy. Number 10. Oh, oh, the one we're not complaining about the most? The least complaining? Yeah, the least complaining. Oh, that's going to be harder here. Of course, you got to go to the, the, the last one that you complain the most about. It's got to be the last one. Then we can also guess. What the okay, here, is. here, let's go for one that's not that bad. Damage diagrams. This, this doesn't, this doesn't come up in many games okay. these days. But in older games, okay. it used to show up every once in a while. In games we would just stay away from. I'm thinking of like Star Trek fleet battles, which we've seen people play at our miniature store. You just see the diagrams they have to bring out to mark damage across things, and just other historical games have these things. It's just like this is just bookkeeping and accounting. Like you're not uh, spending much time on decisions. You're spending like most of your time just like being a bookkeeper, and that's that's not the spirit of a miniatures game as far as I'm concerned. That's interesting because when I think about it, I feel like the reason why they like it is because they feel like they're playing a uh, a version like they're they're playing an episode of Star Trek, right? And so when they see oh it hit this like deck thirty two on this kind of area, they are playing in their mind oh. It, this is what the Star Trek episode would be. These people would be like shot out into space because of the the damage on the hull at that point, right? Mm-hmm. So to, the, to them, that their spreadsheet 
is exactly the game. It's not about strategy. It's about the story of how, like, Bob from accounting was yeah. shot out into space because he went, I don't know, went to the bathroom on level 3-3. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I can see it, but just saying it's not. Okay, so so for this one, damage diagrams though. What other games is you know you have fleet battles, but you also uh, like this. I feel like is a a relative level kind of thing because you know we had War Machine, right? Mm-hmm. And War Machine had damage diagrams as well, right? They had a whole bunch of boxes, and when you hit a certain number of like special boxes, uh, you lost um, you lost abilities in, in certain things. I thought that I remember playing, and that was quite cool. Did you? find that again as as onerous as uh you know start start for the battles no but they didn't have a giant page i think there's a limit to it and just okay i think if you go over a certain limit it becomes bizarre like because you could have multiple warjacks on the table and it'd be fine to keep track of them but those other so a lot of it is just how much effort it takes to go and track all those kind of stuff mm-hmm. yeah okay Okay, so like the the damage charts for Warhammer Forty Thousand, Warhammer Forty Thousand, for War Machine were fine to you. Yeah, I think they were refined enough. That didn't, it wasn't excessive to keep track. So I I also asked this because we also had like for our spaceship game we did have like certain certain damage tracking, right? Mm-hmm. So we we created a spaceship game, and there was a certain amount of damage tracking. There was like initial hull hull points that you could repair, and then there were certain critical. Uh, points where if you took damage on that box, like you would have to, to draw a, a critical card, right? Mm-hmm. But there, that is a, an example of where, um, although there was a there's a huge amount of simulation in in Starfleet battles, a lot of the simulation of what you're trying to do, for example, if you're trying to simulate the Star Trek episode, it doesn't you don't really need to know that you know the reason why the deck 32 got blown up. And you know your your engineer and your accountant died is because the previous shots reduced the hull on that part so that the next missile that hit scattered into that point and was able to blow it through. You just need to know that at some point, right, like in a movie, right, there's a certain amount of damage that's taken and then it blows through, and then at some point it blows through and something bad happens, right? So you're saying that I'm wrong to look at those games as miniature games, but they're actually like ship, like ship management simulator yes it's not even a miniature game it is a miniature game it's a ship management okay maybe it's not it's both it's both it's It's like how how um game of thrones or sorry sort of song of ice and fire is both a like board game and a miniatures game it's half half same thing with um what the the uh warhammer shakespeare uh, is both a card game and a miniatures game, right? You have those combinations. It's half half. So yes. I think I think because I don't and that like other half com- is terrible. I got it. It's the all oh, right. One. There we go. You've, you've heard. That's fair. It is the tenth worst one. So it's not that bad, right? Like you said, there's certain things. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. So for me, this thing I complain about a lot, but actually when it comes down to it, um, I don't think it's that big of a deal, uh, and that is. Uh, random proprietary measuring sticks and dice. Oh, you're putting them, lumping them together. I thought about these, and I decided that... Anyways, go ahead. To put them as separate things. Okay, sure. Uh, I, I lumped them all together. Initially, I had them uh, separately, but 
I, I had more than 10 that I wanted to go through. So I just lumped them all together. It's just like random stuff, like th this kind of measuring sticks. I think actually dice is probably not as bad. Uh, I think measuring sticks is a little bit worse. Um, it just makes it harder for people to play. Yeah, I yeah, think the worst one... <laughs> yeah, the worst measuring uh, gauge, I guess you could say, is the flamers. Uh, because they're often just like a weird proprietary size, and it's just hard to actually print them out. And then if you print them out, you know, a lot of times when people print them out, they're not going to print them out at the same size, because oftentimes your printer will scale down to like 95% because of uh, the, um, what do you call it, the outer edge, I guess. They just, right, because you can't, your printer can't print all the way to the edge. So oftentimes people have slightly different size diagrams or, or not diagrams, uh, templates and things like that. Uh, and I, I really have come to be annoyed by them, especially when you start playing a whole bunch of different games because you won't have those measuring sticks, right? Whereas if you just have an inches, like if you, if everything is just like measured by either inches or centimeters, right, just on a normal measuring stick, you can forget all of your all of those things and then just go and find a ruler or like uh, a measuring ruler and you can play right it's so annoying though when you don't have them and then you like realize you can't use your flamer right? yeah because we've we played warhammer we've played war machine we play infinity which all have these but even with infinity i love infinity but i often don't bring those flamer size templates out because i'm just like oh it's just annoying to have to use these. We'll just like yeah. we know it hits the guys. Don't even use the template. It's just yeah. And I guess templates. You could say templates measuring sticks are different, but also with X-wing had one, and and one of the most egregious ones was like Kill Team, where it had just like random measuring sticks for no good reason, and it turned out the measuring sticks were literally two, four, and six. Mm-hmm. I guess they had a three as well. Two, three, four, six, and they're like, oh, these are just special measuring we had a special measuring design device just to measure out two three four and six it was ridiculous mm -hmm. actually they had two three four and they had a special measuring stick just for six inches it was so ridiculous that you would have that luckily it actually maps to actual inches but that like if you're getting into the game that's a that's a terrible kind of limit that you're putting on yourself and and trick to try to get people to buy random crap mm -hmm. but i actually do think flavors are the worst and yeah, but it, you know it does add to the game, right? The flamers. Yeah, it does. It has a feel to it that you're like hitting a whole bunch of guys who are close up, and you're like, "Yep, flamers are cool weapons." It's just a nuisance to use with the templates. Yep. Yeah, it's very evocative when you use the flame template, and you can hit everyone in that area. But they, they're that's why it's ten. I can see the games, but like they're just kind of annoying. Mm -hmm. I'd rather they not have it if they found something better. Yep. All right, number nine. So I will do my number nine. All right, so my number nine least favorite or worst game mechanic for tabletop gaming is win the game gotchas. Okay, I've not named this one. So I don't know. I guess this could be lower on the list because I've definitely walked away from games uh, because of this. So this sounds um, like a more of a board game sort of thing being pushed into miniatures where like in board games you have multiple ways of winning and like some of them mm -hmm. can just be like the one where you surprise everybody with it yeah i feel like this is this is there's a lot of 
reasons why people have this, but this is, was the most egregious when we were playing a War Machine, where you would have characters with just an ability that if you got too close, you would have lost the game, but and you wouldn't have even known it, right? You just walk into it, and then when the opponent activates that person, they win the game, right? This mm-hmm. is kind of a terrible kind of game mechanic, because like, gotchas are just general terrible to have, so you're you basically want to avoid them as much as possible, but when your gotcha actually wins the game, like, it just gives you a terrible play experience, right? Yeah, it's not like stopping one unit with an ability you didn't figure out. It's like, oh, you can stop end the whole game with this ability. So yeah, I can I can see how that's like an extreme version of something that can ruin the game for people. Yeah, and, and the reason why I only put it at nine is because there's like a there's a lot of gradient to this because you know having some sort of gotchas. Um, I think gotchas in general are kind of terrible if they only work because your opponent didn't think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, I like gotchas that are more like bluffs, like in poker, where your opponent knows what are the options you could have, but they just don't think you have it and you next level them using kind of mental psychology or things like that, right? But people do really enjoy this kind of, like, I, even though it's not necessarily for me, people do enjoy the idea of, like, springing something that their opponent wasn't ready for. It feels very, again, it's very evocative and very fun to actually do it on an opponent, but they're not seeing something coming and then you you smash them with it. So I can see how it's, um, how it can be fun, especially if you feel like you played the trap. But when it is kind of like, oh, you just win when this happens, uh, you have to be very careful with them. And I feel like a lot of games have been ruined from them. So that's why even though i'm not totally against them uh if they've ruined a bunch of games and then you know i'd rather people just like not do it unless they totally are like thought through it 110 percent. so that's why it's number nine yeah okay i I can agree that'd be pretty bad and i think most games avoid those yeah but when when they try to get so bad right yes yeah They'll get that from playtesting. All right, should I go to my number nine? Sure. All right, so basically having different types of rules for moving different types of minis. So I'm thinking of, like, the old Warhammer where you had tanks, and they had to move, and you had to take, like, special angle measuring devices, then change their direction, everything else like that. Mm -hmm. Like, it just becomes really confusing and tedious to move one thing one way then switch to a whole other system of moving guys and then move them so that's always kind of annoyed me like i can see putting some restrictions on things like based on the existing rules but just when you have to switch to a whole different system of moving things it becomes so they they should be on as close as possible kind of thing yeah you want to have the minimum differences to just make them thematic Yep, pretty much. So, I'm trying to think of really good examples of this other than like old versions of Warhammer. I know we've encountered it in a few places before. So, mm-hmm. it's just some things that move more like tokens, and other things that have to follow. Just like you need to use templates to move them around. So. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I do like the tank movements. So, mm-hmm. that is something I wish they had more in in like the new 40k. I felt like it's a little bit awkward that you know one of the strengths of infantry and whatever is that they're more maneuverable yep right so i 
in in the close quarters that you're usually playing with for, with um, tabletop gaming. So I do like that. So, um, but I can I, I do see when it's often just like way too different, and I I do agree that you should definitely minimize it. Like if, if things are way too different, it's it's just annoying, right? It's like you're playing two different games at the same time. Yep, pretty much. So, All right. I don't, I don't think there's so, too much to say about that one. It's not not one of the most horrendous ones. So, and I think it actually falls into the category where it suits some some purposes, but it can just be it can be used badly. Fair enough. All right. What's your number eight? <sighs> Flying miniatures. This is again not near the top of the list. Flying miniatures. All right. Fucking annoying. A. All right. Explain it to me. What is a flying miniature? Oh, so guys who can just sort of go all over top of train, guys who ignore the rules for if you've got like multiple levels of the building, they just kind of go to the top of it. When you try to engage them normally in combat, be like, nope, can't do that. And mm-hmm. half of it's just because they look so stupid on the tabletop sometimes, whether they've got like, they're actually just standing on the ground. It's like, oh no, but really they're flying. Or they've got flight stands and they just look, they don't, flight stands often don't look good. Or they just have rules where, like, you think of the giant flyers in the modern 40k, where you're like, no, this thing just fly past the battlefield. Why is this going too far? Or, like, or even just breaking the simulation. Well, this thing can fly. Why are you being able to, like, punch a land speeder that's down at the ground? Wouldn't they just, like, make sure to go over you so that you wouldn't just punch them with your fist? So Mm -hmm. it's just, um, it becomes a mess if the game's not, like, a flying game and it's meant to get around guys walking. Only flying things. Like, like if you're playing, like, a. I don't know, X-Wing, I guess X-Wing is like in space, but like mm-hmm. where it's all spaceships or Wings of War, right? Where it's all those things. That kind of makes sense and that kind of a- a- aesthetic. But when you start mixing them, the scales are just way too off. I agree. No, it's just, it ruins the simulation and it just, it starts to look, it's wrong yeah, on a few levels. Yeah, and start getting stupid. And then you spend all this, like terrain in, like you look at it, right? Terrain in X-Wing is very different than terrain in a normal tabletop game. So when you put in flying miniatures in a normal like tabletop game, you're really scre- screwing around with um, your battlefield, right? Yeah, one person's playing around positioning their guys, and the other guy's like, oh, I ignore that whole main aspect of how this game is played. It's... Of the entire game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Makes so, sense. Not, not big on it, usually. All right. All right, here's my number eight. So this one is a problem with uh, one of our favorite games, actually, mm-hmm. um, that I find is really infiltrating it. Uh, it is everyone can do everything. So this is uh, when they start allowing everyone, like, not differentiating their units. So this is the mechanic, well. So are we talking about on faction level or on an individual unit level? Uh, generally on a faction level, mm-hmm. where there's no differentiation and you just give all the mechanics to everyone because you you want everyone to be able to do everything so that they you know feel good about themselves, right? Um, but I think when you have different factions, it's one thing, I guess, if everyone is the same faction, right? And you, you just have different models for them. But part of the reason why people like the different factions is because they are different and you can kind of see that on the tabletop, right? How they look manifests in how they play and that gives you a a larger connection to your army 
And when they start giving everything to everyone, it just makes everything feel very samey, right? Uh, and for Infinity, like, we have factions, right? But we also have, like, specific units getting um, special rules for, like, one profile that is that makes them, like, better than another unit whose main thing was that special rule. So in Infinity, it's, like, MSV2. Uh, so multispectral visor, right? It's supposed to help you see through smoke and hit people who are hiding, right? Um, and there are units specifically who, whose job is to have that gear so that they can kill people, right? Like who are, are hiding. And they'll, ju they'll just randomly give it to other units, like one profile in the other unit as an optional gear for that unit. And you're like, now you've made everything samey. Like, what is so special about the other thing? How are you making it, like, it just starts making everything the same and makes everything less interesting, right? Yeah, because when you show up to a battle, you don't want to be the same battle over and over. You're like, oh, my new this new opponent has a different army. This game's going to go differently. That's, that's mm -hmm. going to be, like, yeah. really interesting. And you want them to feel that, that specific way. Or if you're and thinking you about building specific another... units, when you see that unit, you're like, oh, this is the MSV2 unit, right? The guy who can do the special thing. But actually, you're like, oh, actually, that guy there that can do a whole bunch of things can also do that one as well. It's just like, um, it just, you lose a lot of differentiation and fun and interest in seeing the models, like, on the table. Well, yeah, even when you're thinking of building another army, you're like, oh, wait, I already have an army that does this. Because once they start making all the armies so similar, you're like, well, there's I have things in my current army. Maybe they don't do it as well as this other army, but it's all there. Mm -hmm. I can just do the exact same thing. So why am I like starting this huge painting project to just <laughs> do the same thing again? Well, I guess in some ways people would say, oh, because you like the models. That's true. That yeah. is kind of true, but I'd rather have both. Yep, exactly. We want to have it all. All right. All right. Number seven. Oh, yeah, I'm going to say number seven, right? Sure. All right. So this is an issue that I really hate. Again, in moderation, it can be good, but, like, I've seen it mess up so much time. And this is uh, free bonuses to armies, especially if they're scaling bonuses. Mm -hmm. So where you don't pay – where there's, like, a very – loose kind of paying or, or basically when the idea is that you get a free bonus right mm -hmm. so this happened a lot in war machine where you you would run like a special army but and then you get free bonuses to it um and they started just you you just get free units and they maybe started like, stacking up ridiculously maybe like 10 percent of your army extra in some cases yeah exactly or it happened i believe in seventh edition like there was one where you got all free transports with like melta gun like multi meltas no or, or storm bolt, or I don't know, some crazy weapons, basically. And you could just get a whole bunch of free tanks, which was ridiculous. Uh, Infinity, you know, you have the the links when you do a sectorial. These ones are just like, when you give free bonuses, not point-wise, like not in the, the points of the unit, you are kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. Because how are you going to balance that when you're getting free stuff? Mm -hmm. So what are you either... Suddenly, the unit or the army requires those bonuses to actually work, or uh, or it gets too good because it's got extra bonuses on top of you know the benefits that it had before, right? And so, oftentimes when you do the free bonuses, people just do not think through like that kind of dynamic, 
And you have to be super careful, and you've got to do a ton of playtesting to, to, you know, to say, oh yeah, you can throw these couple extra bonuses in, right? Um, and so it's just you have, you know, like like I said, you have those 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 two problems. You can't have both an army that, you know, like it has to be a give and take where where they pay, right? Yeah, otherwise so, there's no balancing mechanic, like. Yeah. So and and oftentimes limiting your army of what you can take is not nearly good enough, or it's worse. It's like it's too good so that they cannot fix the innate problems with a unit. Like this is often a, a patch when they release an army or a bunch of models that are not good enough, and they're like, I know, we'll give free bonuses to it. No, just fix the actual points or or that that unit so it's interesting, as opposed to like throwing free points that could also possibly screw, screw up everything else or basically mean that you have to take. Let's a say build. a certain units in a certain sectorial specifically to make it good, and it's terrible otherwise, right? Yeah, you have to run it's a particular a build, and that ruins all the creativity of running the army. Yep. So this one actually I think is pretty serious, um, and that's my number seven. Yeah, no, this this one actually happens. All right, to my to my number seven, which I think comes down to our bias towards skirmish games, but it's activation tokens. So. Activation tokens by describing that's basically like when you have your guys on the board, either when they activate, you've got to put a token on them to mark the fact that they've activated, or take away the token to mark that they've activated. So usually most people who play managers games, like once you've played enough, you sort of get a feel for keeping track of this sort of thing. So maybe for like beginners it could be helpful. But I find that when games need them, there's usually a reason that the games usually become too complicated in some way where you need them, where maybe you have just like a stupid number of guys on the board and it's just going to start getting hard to remember. Or like thinking of back to the old kill team, you've got different phases in each turn where you activate the guy once to move and then you activate him again in the same turn to shoot. So now you just get confused because you're like, did I activate this guy this turn? It's like, yes, you did, but you activate him at a different point this turn. So it's just the fact that they've organized the game that way forces you to keep track of so many things where you're forced into that. The other part is that sometimes if the game goes on for, because we've started playing Necromunda a bunch lately, if the game can go on for unlimited turns, you the turns start to blur together. And at that point, I found in Necromunda, even though you don't have too many guys, the fact that the game has just gone on and on, you now just need the tokens because every turn might look like the last turn. Yeah, so it's it's the kind of thing like, this, if you need them, it's a symptom of a larger problem with your system. There's mm-hmm. too many things going on, and they're not differentiated enough. And so you need to put those things in, in on. So is it is it the actual tokens that annoy you? I guess they also annoy me, because I don't like looking at them. They make the battlefield look worse. Yeah. Uh, but I agree that like when you see that, that's often a, a problem with um, just the sizing of your game and the weightiness of their actions. So um, it's a great signal, I think. Although I don't necessarily know if the actual tokens are the problem more than they're just an example of too many spots on the board being crappy. They're a symptom of something else being a problem in the game. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah, that's a pretty good one. All right. Your number... Six? Six. 
All right. So this isn't necessarily a mechanic that's directly inside the game while you're playing it. But we've been playing a few more campaign-based games lately. And one of the mechanics I really don't like in campaigns... Because in campaigns, you build your guys up over time. But when one army can clearly just, like, run ahead of the rest, and, like, the other armies can't compete, and there's no balancing mechanisms, I really don't like that part of campaigns, because now a lot of people aren't even going to want to play. So. Yeah, when oh. there's, when there's uh, either not enough ways to come back if you let's say your your hero died uh or if um someone gets way too much experience for let's say killing people that can be way too much of a a buff right and so without kind of like peel back mechanics um they they can really end campaigns honestly so this this is actually definitely quite serious uh, I know we complained a lot about Necromunda. I think there's there's definitely some weight issues in terms of two things, uh, or three things technically. Um, there's not enough bound, like rebalancing mechanics. I think the difference is a plus three on a roll if you're behind. That's like the only benefit if you're behind, right? But then if you're winning, you can take the other person's territory so they become weaker. And weaker. Uh, you also... Uh, your guys can die, and there's unlike the original Necromunda, uh, your heroes are so important for the percent for how much how powerful they are in your army that if they die, you're really behind. Yeah, they're worth like 200 points versus like 80 yeah, points for your basic your cheapest 40, guys. 40 something. It's like often like four times the cost, right? And mm-hmm. losing that guy, and you can't even get them back. You can't even buy them anymore. Oh, if you don't. If you're not winning enough, no, you don't have any credits, and you then can't you buy can't buy because you have to promote another leader. So then they're not like they get promoted to a leader, but they don't have all the the stats and everything. So you can't. They're not as good. Mm-hmm. So it it ends up missing, you know, messing with just you know stats and that kind of stuff. And then the third thing uh, is you get experience for killing guys, and that's like a probably the easiest way to get it. But like if you have a guy that's really good at killing, he can continue to kill a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, then he will shoot have, like super far ahead, and this is the same issue that um, Frostgraver, the original uh, XP chart had, right? Used to get experience if your wizard killed things. Well, I found that in Frostgraver, that wasn't even the worst part. The worst part was the fact that you could get all elite troops, a whole army full of them. At which point you're pretty far ahead of your opponents when you can take all elites and they have a lot of basic troops still on their roster. Yeah, so they did fix that in second edition, right? They added fixes to all three of those things that we mentioned, right? Mm-hmm. And there was a better balancing if you're ahead. Like, people start just getting, like, free monsters that come and, quote-unquote, fight for them, mostly just kill your opponent. Um, then you have the second one is you don't longer get XP for your wizard, right? So For killing things. So they can't shoot up too much. And there was a cap of, like, 300 XP. So they can't sh- level up way faster. And then, and you don't get any experience for killing people, which which dials down the difference because you know some wizards were not killing, and then some wizards were killing. Well, the wizard, the killing wizard, gets so much more experience. Well, that's more balanced now because you just only get XP from from the main objectives. And then uh, the third one is they did limit the special guys, right? So you can only have four of them. So the, there's no possibility for you to shoot so far ahead, right? The difference in warband, excuse me, strength is uh, lower. 
Yes, like a starting warband may have two of the elite guys, and then once you get, build your warband up, you're going to have all four. But that's right. not it's not ten versus two elite guys. So. And one of the great things that is kind of like not technically fully said out loud is that uh, Frostgrave works really well uh, in a three-person battle. Yes. A four-person battle. I think three-person battle is probably the best uh, if, if people know how to play three-person battles, as in not run into the center of the board and then be surprised why they suddenly got killed by both of the opponents. Mm-hmm. But if you've played three-person battles and understand that, that is a self-balancing mechanic because you will end up teaming up against the most powerful guy <laughs> mm-hmm. right? because they're far ahead and they're going to, you know, if you if you fought equally, then they're obviously going to win. So They're going to take everything. Yeah, so you, you just push back. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's it a great... helps self-balance because usually it's unlikely for one one side to be more powerful than the other two so yeah so yeah totally hate that all right your number how about to your number five now i guess or your number six number six all right my number six is uh not enough terrain so games where they want you to have a limited amount of terrain so i found like the the and generally, this is because um, certain units are have too big of buffs from mm-hmm. terrain, so they want to ba- they balance it around having a certain amount of terrain, and that is not enough. Um, so this is a problem in War Machine, uh, where War Machine was a very very competitive game, but some of the abilities units had were directly tied to terrain and they would swing how powerful they were by a huge amount either seeing through terrain like a lot of guys saw through terrain a lot of guys could just move through terrain whereas most people had to move at half speed which was a huge buff like you're saying like people who fly can just go over terrain right and because that was such a huge swing uh that meant that they had to limit the amount of terrain and the terrain started feeling very samey on a tabletop and I'm not saying that you can't have games where, uh, you know, the terrain is limited. But when you have some games like where those powers are too strong, right? Um, having different tabletops would will unbalance the game significantly. And of course, no one wants to play a game where you know you just win because all of your guys see through terrain and can move through it easily, right? This is yes. just like. It's the rock paper scissors thing. It's like, oh, we're playing on this board. Looks like I've won. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So you, so I guess the limited terrain is is one of those like um, one of those signifiers of the rules that I'm saying, right? Like t- terrain, too swingy terrain rules uh, is basically the issue, and that locks in a lot of very samey tables. Um, and I actually find it kind of okay when they're very very tight because you know who doesn't like tons of terrain on the thing makes it makes the table look super fun and um and like lived in right when you have a lot of buildings or a lot of things right like nobody wants to play on a flat board right well some people do and they play war machine but like everyone else doesn't want to play on a flat board and they also want the the tables to be able to switch up right change from like a very dense one to a more more sparse one and you need to make sure that your game is able to deal with those things and how you do that is make sure that the terrain rules like the the special rules for certain units are not too egregious where they swing things too heavily yeah that kind of ties back into the like game breaking mechanics Mm -hmm. yeah 
So yeah, that's my uh, number six. Wow, there are a lot of ones that have War Machine in them. Now I'm looking. Maybe I actually like War Machine less. Well, you know what it is, because I played more War Machine recently than I have played 40k. Mm-hmm, it's true. All right, so on a lot of problems f- with War Machine that I'm looking at. Them. <laughs> uh, my next one will be in the War Machine stable of problems as well. But oh, let's go for your number five first. Yeah, my number five. All right. So this one is a problem with uh, my other favorite game. Uh, so this is a, a problem that's in Frostgrave, and that is arbit- arbitrarily limited numbers. Um, so this is where basically certain abilities or spells or, or kind of things have different measurements, or generally it's measurements that are the worst, or breakpoints, right? Because a lot of our miniature games are very, very complicated, and when you have artificial limits that are different for every different little spell or ability, it becomes very, very hard to track. So mm-hmm. for Frostgrave, what I mean is that um, in second edition, although I thought overall it was really good, he he did uh, Joe McCullough did add in a whole bunch of um, limiting uh, mat like buffs to stats specifically to make sure things didn't get out of control in terms of power level. And I thought this was actually I understood why he did it, but I did not like them at all, and I thought it made the game harder to play um, because. I like when you look at willpower or you look at like spell buffing, right? Uh, in terms of cutting yourself for for, for a better uh, spell number, um, the limit is 18. But it's hard to remember all of these different things because it's not like every time if you get to 18 you stop, right? Certain things are like you stop at five. I think the the, the max armor is 14, right? The max like they're just all these different random numbers, like and you can definitely see it on the spells where instead of having let's say you know, short, medium, long, right? The spells had random. It's like numbers. two inch. In, it's like two inch increments, and sometimes it gets yeah, shorter. Some were like some spells were eight inches, some were six, some were ten, some, some were three, six, four, mm-hmm. and sixteen. And you're, and I was just like, just standardize it. Now it makes me whenever I look up a spell, I have to specifically look at the actual distance to see what it is, right? And the actual change to the game in these like small things was not big enough, in my opinion, for the for the cognitive load that you it added to the game. I think they were kind of, you know, some of the things like 14 armor, max armor, like sure, but like a lot of these I feel like are, are tweaks that actually ended up hurting the game more, making it harder to play than making them that... And it would almost be better if you just had a certain limit, right? Where you're like, okay, plus five maximum, plus plus five or plus ten, right? That's that's the kind of thing, right? So mm-hmm. at least even if you put limits, there are certain like, it's easy to remember what those limits are, right? As opposed to putting these numbers all over the place. It just some standardization, yeah. Yes, exactly. Standardizing these kind of limits as opposed to tweaking them specifically for the specific ability, right? I feel like even tweaking the, yeah the plus fights or something would be slightly better. But again, if you have too many, then that's also bad. So just some sort of standardization would be much better. Mm-hmm. Um, same kind of issue happened in Infinity um, with the new Link teams. So I thought it was actually quite good previously where they limited the benefits, like the bonuses and the negatives for any kind of to-hit rolls to be plus three or minus three. Right? Yeah, there's so increments. There's standard a, increments. Mm-hmm. Exactly. There's standard increments. Whenever you get an upgrade for your shooting, it's a plus three increment. Whenever you get a negative, 
It's a minus three. So it's very easy. And, to kind of and the gun ranges as well. You go eight inches, 16, 24, 32. Yep. But the latest link team one, you can now get benefits of plus one. Point two and like. And plus two, exactly. Like they're in an increment of plus one, right? And that is just, I thought that was. Oh, no, you can't get plus two. Yeah. Never mind. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you go plus one to plus three, right? Mm-hmm. And it's just, um, I think that's just bad, right? I think that is, it just makes it harder to remember and mm-hmm. hard to calculate, makes everything a little bit more complicated. And for what? What are you actually gaining from that? Yeah, so, it's like, oh, it's more balanced. Yeah, but overall, the game's not as good, so. Yeah, and like, it's often, I think, the easiest way to tweak something, tweak the numbers a little bit, but I think they, it even though it's the easiest, it's the it also has the largest costs when you do it, right? You're not getting that tweaking and balance free, right? No, it's, it's more complexity. And... Yeah, the the easiest way to do that, like balance those things, is points because you have a you have a army builder, so you know you don't you don't even have to calculate those points. But um, and then people are already bought into doing that anyways. So balancing it in the other parts of your game, I think, are generally a mistake. Mm-hmm. And this annoys me quite a lot. Even though technically, I guess it's not so terrible because these are this is a problem in both of my favorite games. So <laughs> it rates higher special for that. Mm-hmm. All right. So to my fifth, we almost ended up overlapping. On one so far, maybe we'll we'll probably when we get to our more hated ones, probably start getting some overlap. But my fifth one is templates that can just be placed on the board, like not centered on a guy, just placing a template precisely on the board. Mm-hmm. And like why why I'm so against it is a because it's just not realistic to get like the perfectly launched grenade to hit like one millimeter of this guy and three millimeters of that guy. And it just it wastes piles of time, and it forces people while they're playing the game to have to think, oh, I need to have this guy this far from this. When I move this guy, he has to be this far away from this afterwards because they might choose to grenade this guy. It just adds so much fiddliness that when you can, like, if you if the, if you know the template can only be placed directly over top of a guy, at least once you get used to playing the game, you're like, okay, I space the guys out this much, and that's fine. But when you you know that template can arbitrarily, your opponent will perfectly place the template to hit a bunch of guys, you have to worry about so much more, and it's just not realistic. I don't like it. I agree. I guess this is the kind of, yeah, those flamer templates. Uh, this is the negatives of those kind of things. It, it changes mm-hmm. up so much how, how, how hitting happens. Uh, this is one of those things where technically not 8th edition did fix this, in, in my opinion, right? Yep. With, with the flamers and things like that, where the, you know you just choose one guy and then you auto hit, or maybe a number of two and ups, but like mm-hmm. um, that kind of play is so much uh, faster. And I don't, you get some sort of feeling for the templates where you're like, oh, I'm using a flamer, so it does this. But like when you're measuring them out, it just feels so gamey, right? When yeah. you do unrealistic. And so why are you putting this unrealistic thing? Just so that you can have the evocative, like, oh, look, I'm shooting, like, a, a fire template. Like, this is the actual, like, size that's actually happening. So, yeah, I find that I totally agree. Um, I didn't actually put that that down, but, like, yeah, that, I hate that. I it's a variant of what you said in the templates, but more specifically, like, in the Flamer ones, like, the 
the placing it anywhere the heck you want just is ruinous yeah. to, to that part. Necromunda, I guess you're you're feeling that. Necromunda as well. It, this is an Infinity and Necromunda. There aren't as many guys in Necromunda. It's once you get so many guys on the board that it just becomes worse about having to position everybody perfectly to avoid those things. Yeah, you have Flamers as well, which are annoying. You do, but I'm more worried. The Circle ones are the worst. That's my biggest offense. All right. So should I, should I move on to my number four? Yeah, number four. We're in the top half. So these are like, yeah, these are our ones that are like our top five least favorite. All right. Okay. So side combat between tokens. This is just this is incredibly board gameish because the whole a whole board game is just combat between tokens. But when you're like, oh, there should be like a sideboard thing where you have these troops, but they're not actually troops. They're just like these resources. And it's not like you're just linearly comparing them. You're like, oh no, we'll have a form of combat back and forth between these randomly. Mm-hmm. It's just it's not good. It's like you're you're playing the game specifically to be on the uh, tabletop. Right? You're, yeah. you're the whole point is it's a tabletop war game. Why are you doing this thing that's not actually happening on the war game tabletop? No, I mean, if it happened after the game, like you play to get resources and something else happens after the game, but mm-hmm. doing it in the middle of the game just brings you out of it altogether. It's like just the combat I'm doing with my like actual miniatures I painted and modeled and I'm moving even better. It's like I'm thinking here of Drop Fleet Commander, where all the points are <laughs> That's scored. so bad. They knew it was bad and they tried changing it to make it like take less time because you spent so much time dealing with this sideboard mechanic. The, they knew they had to change it, and they didn't go far enough, and the game just, the game didn't come back. So, yep, you good? Are there any yep, other games? Right you, yeah, are there other games you can think of that this like is just present? Yeah, Saga of Ice and Fire. It's not I exactly was, like actual battles, but like. It's it's political battles. It's so board gamey, mm-hmm. and of but, course it, it's the political battles are not happening literally at the time of the battle because the battle is not going to take long enough for these guys to get in reinforcements. So like the head cannon you'd have to do to like put those political battles like it, it as a board game it makes sense right? There's these guys doing political intrigue right, mm-hmm. but it's so out there for the actual mechanics hitting the game. It's just I hate that. Yeah, they, they don't fight each other in Song of Ice and Fire, but you still have to make rolls with them. To they kind of. They, they, they don't fight each other, like, physically, but they, they take things on the board, stopping people. It's, it's worker replacement. You have a little worker placement game on mm. the side with your little workers that affects the battle. So, like, they're not... They're, there's conflict, although they're not necessarily killing each other. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't wasn't the biggest fan of that part. I'm like, No. That, that's kind of what sealed the deal. There was a bunch of other issues with him. Yeah. All right. So, to your unfavorite third or fourth. Number four. So this is a duplicate, our first duplicate. Oh, my God. This is the XP snowballing in campaigns. Mm-hmm. I'm literally called snowballing. I hate this. And this will kill campaigns. And you have to be so careful about this. Um and I've seen it happen a lot. And specifically, the one I was thinking about, we already mentioned it, but the one that is the most egregious to me was the killing enemies, making your guys more powerful and getting XP from that. Because I've seen that snowball in so many games and it being a problem. You need to have to 
you need to limit it some way. Like in uh, our game, when we have our, our campaign mode, like it's a very simple kind of campaign, but like you get XP for killing a guy, but maximum like one more XP as opposed to just like every guy that you kill. If you have a guy that kills everyone, he's not going to get 10 XP and then become like a super god, right? Because he, he was really lucky one game, right? They're just you have to be able to, to rein things in that way. Yeah, even thinking to Infinity, where they tried making a campaign thing that we tried out a bit, mm-hmm. some of the campaign paths would just give you piles of extra points. And you'd be like, well, clearly I'm going to take this. But you'd have to like make some random yeah. rolls to get the thing to happen. And if you just nailed the roll and got lucky, you're like, oh, look, I've got 50 more points on your 300 points. Guess who's the winner uh, here? Yeah. Yeah, the, that one, I think some of the problem was just that the paths that you could take were not balanced. Yeah. They were, I don't even know how much they actually played those campaigns because honestly the campaign was terrible um, but yeah because they added on top of that that randomness and, and it's fun to have that randomness but you need to be able to like redress that and st- have the game still be fun as opposed to just being like oh I, I won this out of game role and now I'm just so much better than you that you know I'm going to win the next 3, 4, 5 games unless something super unlucky happens right it's just you gotta, you can't jump so high ahead, right? So that's kind of, and especially if it helps you jump even higher. That's why the killing is so bad, because if you get kill guys, then your guy gets better. Then that'll help them kill even more guys, which allows them to get even further ahead, which is like, you know, the which snowball. Which is the snowball. Issues. Yep. Yeah. So that was my number four, first duplicate. All right, so we're we're into the top three oh, now. Top three. So, so we duplicated before the top three. Okay. Yeah. So my top three. So my third least favorite, I really hate this one, and this is not even a pro- not just a problem with tabletop miniatures, but often games in general, and this is abilities that cancel other enemy abilities. Ooh, the counterspell. Counter- it's counterspell. Counterspell is terrible, right? It so feels bad, and again, it's it can often be uh, rock, paper, scissors, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and... To me, there is some of it that, that's acceptable and kind of interesting and okay, right? But the alternative is so much better, which is like next-leveling someone, right? Or it's like, or going at them sideways, right? As opposed to canceling another specific ability. And what I mean by like canceling abilities, it's not like, oh, uh, for example, I make it so that you get a minus three to shoot. Well, I'm going to hit you with a different ability that doesn't use shoot, right? That's the kind of thing where you're kind of next leveling them and you're kind of layering things over to a point, right? Mm-hmm. But if it's literally I canceled your cool ability, it so feels bad. And then it's all, oftentimes these abilities are kind of crap when your opponent doesn't even have those abilities or take them. So then it's it's again one of those rock paper scissors things, right? Where like oh if I took you know in an infinity uh, MSV one in the old N three, right? MSV1, the only benefit is it makes it easier to shoot a guy who has mimetism, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if the, if your opponent did not take a, a list with mimetism, you just paid extra points that were useless, right? So it is just a terrible kind of cheat mechanic where if you, if you give people abilities that just happenstance kind of be, have natural counters, it makes it feel more interesting and better and it also doesn't you don't have to have that feeling of like oh you don't get to play with your toys right because when you're canceling people's abilities it's canceling out their ability to play with their cool interesting toys happens all the time in 40k as well right they happen so often you have like 
uh, invulnerable saves, right? And an invulnerable save that's better than your normal save is terrible, right? It's one thing if it's a mitigating factor, but when it's like, oh, you know, my invulnerable save means that I don't even care about your, your AP, that's terrible. And it was so terrible that they next leveled it by or doing the next step, which is this gun in, in the Tau list just goes, ignores invulnerable saves. And I'm like, really? Mm-hmm. You have a counter to a counter? Like, this is terrible design. It's it's just makes terrible feelings and uh, and it's everywhere because it feels like you're making interesting choices when it's the cheapest way to make a counter, basically. One just says, oh, this counters those guys because when I bring this guy, those guys don't work, right? Yeah, and then you stop trying to play those guys because every once in a while you'll have a game where you're like, oh, I've got nothing. Yeah. So I'm just so, thinking of like War Machine too. There were some people who could stop you from, like when you activated War Beast and stuff like that, the next turn you'd have to pull like the resources back off of them, mm-hmm. but certain things would stop you from doing that. Mm-hmm. So you're like, oh, okay, I, I really shouldn't take too many of these guys because I could just end up in a game where I've got... I'm just ruined. I feel like when it's an ability that is sideways, like mm-hmm. it's not quite as it's more interesting, and it can often feel even cooler when you're like, oh well, I'm uh, my you know my war beasts are super good. Well, oh well, I can make your war beasts, uh, you know, like go crazy. But that is like mm-hmm. a natural kind of counter. That's not saying that your war beasts are still super good. It's just now you're having these other negatives that that make it worse on the other side, right? So it feels more like a natural counter, and uh, as opposed to just saying, "Oh, you can't play with your war beast." Now you're you're like, "Okay, I just need to play smart with my war beast, so I can, so I still get to play with my benefits, right?" It's not like you're robbing me of being able to use my super powerful war beast. Like, if I need to, I can shove that war beast down, and he'll still be super powerful and smash you, right? But then I just have to pay the price afterwards from that ability. I feel like that is exactly the kind of way, actually, where they want to do it, as opposed to a lot of war machine stuff, like. Oh, my ability is to make everything difficult terrain. Well, all my guys have Pathfinder, so I ignore difficult terrain, right? That's the kind mm-hmm. of counter. Or, or or I can make trees, and then, oh, all my guys see through terrain, so it doesn't matter. That's the kind of counter that is, like, it's just terrible design, right? You need to, to have the abilities feel interesting because that's the, the reason why we have all these abilities on these guys because it's fun and cool to have those abilities, and canceling them out is just a terrible feel-bad, cheap way to do it, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's my uh, number three. Um, honestly, that's in like so many different games. It, there is even there's even one in Frostgrave. Um, it see invisibility. I don't know if it's still in there. I think it is. There's some other things uh, to it, but it's almost the opposite because it's so it's so useless except for like this little ability is so good that maybe it's fine. Do you know what I mean? Because, mm-hmm. like, if you took... You only have eight spells. So if you took Sea Invisibility, like, you probably didn't take it. You probably found a book to see through it. Uh, so it doesn't quite feel as bad because Invisibility is so good for everything else. So. Mm-hmm. And you, you, they're paying for it, so... Yep. All right. On to, to my third. This, this is an unusual one that you don't see too, too often. Mm-hmm. But usually with game scoring, you've got like scoring on every turn, then scoring at the end of the turn. Mm-hmm. But some some games decide that you should just take a break from scoring and I don't know have like a truce, but kill each other <laughs> and then come back to scoring later. Which like maybe halfway through the game you score some things and then you don't do anything and then you score again mm-hmm. later. 
I so really, it's not consistent. It's not consistent, and it just forces it forces a gamification of the whole thing where you just play towards the one turn, and then you sort of just like kind of muddle around for a while, and nothing really matters, and then you go back to play for the other thing. Yeah. Which oh, you think it's kind of cool? You reposition, uh-huh. but it's, it's so just, gamey. It's so gamey. Yeah. It brings you out of the game. Like because you can have things that you could grab before the end of the game, like tokens on the board, where uh-huh. maybe you can't grab it first turn, so people just don't abuse it. But like you grab mm-hmm. the thing, and that can be achieved before the end of the game. Mm-hmm. And then, like, there's an end-of-the-game result for, like, maybe doing killing more guys on the other side. And those those are fluffy, and those are good. Yeah. But when it's just, like, an arbitrary turn where things have to happen in mid-game... And stop halfway or whatever, yeah. Yeah. It, it has to be very fluffy for it to work. Like, mm-hmm. if there's a turn where something happens, it's got to be, like, I don't know, you're playing a, what do you call secret agents kind of game, and then at... Turn three, the the HVT leaves the building, right? So you have mm-hmm. like secret fighting, and then the then the high value target leaves the building at th- at turn three, and then everyone starts fighting, right? That makes sort of, sort of sense, but it's not like then turn four, you know, no one can capture the HVT for some reason, but turn five, everyone can capture the HVT again, right? Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. You so it has to be very specific that the the mission has to make sense. Like again. The great thing about tabletop miniatures games uh, over board games is how simulationist they are. And so when you take that away and just make it a gamified kind of silly kind of thing, it can be kind of fun, but you're you're not playing to miniature gaming strengths. Yeah, so you know the offender also, I'm talking about. Also, it can talk- be confusing. You know the offender I'm talking about, right? Drawfleet? Yeah, Drawfleet. Again, with well, a certain armies. Score on turn four and six for no reason. Yeah, because certain armies would would just be good about getting into position on turn four, and other mm-hmm. armies wouldn't, because the armies play differently. But mm-hmm. because of how the mechanic worked around getting to certain positions faster, like if you move up the board early in the game, you probably want to have guys who have good defense, so you don't just get shot to pieces. Mm-hmm. So if a faction plays that way, and they're better rushing up the board, they're they're probably just going to win under that system. Yeah. It's going to feel horribly unbalanced. And maybe maybe and they can balance it, but it's not going to feel because if you miss turn four and you arrive on turn five, you get nothing. Yeah. You might as well arrive on turn six. Even if your opponent didn't do it before so you. Weird. Yeah, it's yeah. not like your opponent did it before you and took it out. It's like, oh, it's there, but oh, yeah, it's just not worth doing now. It's yeah, just, but it, it is in another a couple turns, and you're just like, well, this doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so this that's definitely an issue... I think the fluff thing definitely is is terrible. And that was your number two. I I found it was horrible for Dropfleet. Like Dropfleet <laughs> has some big offenders in the rules. Oh man, that was your second worst. Well, it's it was no, quite bad. It's not it's not done that often. That's the thing. That's true. Like, it's but, quite well, egregious, and it's there's probably so reasons not that done that a often. Ranking. Yeah, because not that I'm often good, but the fact that it was done. The fact that somebody bad. did it. Yeah. All right. All right, I guess not my number two. Yep. All right, I don't know if this is the same as you. I have a feeling I know what your number one is. but <laughs> no. I almost just like blurted it out right away at the beginning of the podcast. Yeah, yeah, I know. I think, okay. My number two, I'm surprised we, we haven't had that much overlap. Um, I guess there's a lot of things that are annoying. Um, is uh, arbitrary table sizes so like table sizes that are too big basically uh is the main thing well i guess it's not um, arbitrary if you have a t- game with way too many miniatures 
feels like it's arbitrary to me. I feel like basically you should. I guess technically you could also say, you know, tables that are way too big uh, for no reason. Um, I really, really hate this because when I need to set up a table, it's just a big pain in the ass. And this, I think, literally stopped people from playing miniature games. Like, a lot of these things that we talked about stop people from playing miniature games, excuse me, um, after they played a couple of games, but at least they played those couple of games. Extra mm-hmm. large tables stop people from even starting miniature games. Because if you need a ping pong size table, a six by four table, or the new Warhammer 40,000, a six by 44 inch table, ooh, like terrible. It's terrible to get people to actually play the game because it takes so much effort to set the game up. You, This is why I think many even ways before, kill team i'm talking about bef- i would say before you even get to the setup like you've got to go yeah, buy a whole bunch of boards you've got to go buy and paint all the string like yeah and yes like when you come to play the game as well then there's even more effort because it's just that much more volume to deal with yeah yeah it's terrible and that's i think one of the killer things with kill team even though in general i think the games are mediocre to not good i'd say Lower 50%, right? That's not bad. Like, I love all miniature games, so I'll still play them. But I think they're lower, they're the bottom 50% of games. Um, one of their killer things is that they play, they managed to make the game to play on what, an 18 by 30 board? Poster size, yeah. Yeah, and the thing is, like, lots of games can play on that scale if you just change and tweak the rules a little bit, right? Or, like, if you want to play it a little bit bigger, two by three, right? Like, the game that, 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 we made is a, a two two feet by three feet game right and lots of games can fit in that size and play fine and i think people kind of have a part of the reason why i think this is is because people have a huge hang-up on um i think there's a couple of this there's probably a historical kind of aspect to it because when people try to play out you know like war games were initially playing out historical battles and so people want to play out the entire historical battles, and it was usually army-wide, right? Whereas a lot of skirmish games are, are more compact. You're talking about just that one portion of the battle or the conflict, right? So you scale it down a lot more. Instead of saying, instead of trying to simulate an entire battle where now you want you want the slow movement, sizing people up, and then slow engagement, right, as part of your game, a lot of our games now are saying, oh, no, skip that, skip that. It's literally the two vanguards, the two, like, you know, front most guys fighting right and that's the battle we're simulating and when you do that you can scale the game and scale the table down so it feels like totally arbitrary for such a huge negative to get these games onto the table already like you said painting the miniatures and everything is such a big deal like such a such a huge lift why are you making the table a limit to actually playing yeah and you want more guys you can have like reserve mechanics you can yep. just force smaller deployment zones. You can do lots of things. Yep. But. I think reserves is one thing that's underused. And I feel like also uh, unlimited ranges is also underused. Because I think another problem that the people have is they want to have limited ranges for things. Just limit it. Make guys move shorter distances and make your shooting go across the board. Having played that, that just means you need to put more terrain on the, on the table and make things more interesting, right? Um, I don't think, I think having played a lot of games where it's unlimited range, especially ours, um, it totally works. And I, I, I don't, I'm now annoyed whenever I have to measure ranges. 
even mm-hmm. though you know my, my two favorite games you have to measure ranges i'm just like why, why do we have to do this it's just too much extra so yeah that's my number two uh tables that are required too big of a board which is like all of the armor size games too okay so i'm gonna take my number two back down to a much smaller scale of mechanics i don't like and that's having to turn over miniatures and lie them down for specific game states. <laughs> I totally uh, agree. Yeah, this one is terrible. Yeah, like just if you want to go to the very basic complaint about it, if you've got a guy with a sword who's pointing it forwards and you try to lie him down, he can only lay down on his side. And if the mechanic is lie him down on his front and back, like, mm-hmm. what is he ever doing? And the... And the part that I don't like more, like, you can't deny the first part, where it's almost sometimes impossible for certain minis. Mm-hmm. But it basically just damages your guys. Like, if you're not yeah. playing on just the mat, it's like a nice, soft neoprene mat, you put you mm-hmm. put your guys on terrain. If you've done, like, a fully modeled board with, like, sand texture, it's now just, like, grating away on your dudes. Yeah, it's... so this is, this is for, like, the dedicated player. This is one of the most annoying things, because it wrecks your models. And so when we're so into painting, like... Please don't make us wreck our models to play your game. Yeah. Like, if you have shit models, okay, whatever. Put the, put the mechanic oh. in. But if you, if you don't think your models are shit and you want people to paint them nicely, how about you don't do that mechanic? It's really... Yeah, I totally agree. I have thought about, like, you know, for Infinity or, or for other oh. games where, where you have a prone thing. I've thought about how cool it would be to have prone versions of, of all of my models. Mm-hmm. And unconscious tokens, which are actual guys lying down unconscious of the same models. That would be so cool. Where every single model has three different models, technically. <laughs> a prone model standing up one, and an unconscious one. I think that would be so awesome. Yeah, so for like my games that do do that, I often have clear bases. But when you think about it, you're like, oh, now in this miniature game, we get to look at the bottom of the bases. Isn't this awesome, just to see the bottom of a bunch of bases on oh, the table? Oh, terrible. Like, yeah, I agree. No, it's not. It's terrible, yeah. It looks bad. I agree. Visual. I couldn't avoid visually yeah i couldn't avoid using sarcasm there i told myself i wouldn't be sarcastic and i just couldn't help it well it's it is very painful i can see the traumatic experiences that have come and flooded your mind and and are definitely throwing you off it Mm -hmm. it, it throws me off too so makes sense all right all right number one i assume there's can only be one number one Mm -hmm. so we're gonna say it in three two one sure if we say the different things it'll be crazy all right okay Three, two, one. Buckets I go, you go. Oh shit, it's different. Yep. Oh fuck. Buckets Some games die. I think can work for I go, you go, but go go oh, ahead. Yours is up first. Dad, you're wrong. I go, you go is the worst, and I don't think it should be in any game. Mhm. You're blinded by infinity. I won't even consider that I go, you go. That's true. Oh my god, we didn't even do number one. That's no, crazy. Just, All right. Just one. So who who wants to go talk about our number one first? Well, yours is up first because. Okay. Back and forth. I go, you go. I can't believe it's not even on your list. This is crazy. This is like the games. worst mechanic. No, I don't think it can. Not most, I though. Think it's, I think it's terrible, and every single time you have it, it's so uninteractable, and it's it's so boring for, for one of the players, and it, it lowers engagement. Almost every single game, um, you need that kind of interaction, right? The reason why I think Infinity, it works where it's, you know, in some ways I take a turn, you take a turn, is because the game is so different than any other game. It's not really like I go, you go. Like, literally, every single action I do, your opponent gets to do a mini action. 
for every single one. If there's an I go, you go, where every single time I move a guy, your opponent can shoot me, right? Kill my guy. It is not nearly the same, even if it's a less chance in a mini mini action, right? It's a very, very different. Like the worst kind of uh, I go, you go issues, like 40K kind of has the. Um, kind of tries to, to work around this with the tactic cards and shit like that. But a lot of their, like, non-I-Go-You-Go's things, like, where you can interact with them, uh, comes from... It's just automatic, right? Like, armor stays makes you feel... Pretends that you're engaged. But it's a lot of just waiting for your opponent to, to play out through the things before you get any kind of interaction, right? And mm-hmm. that's why those tactics were so important... Or strategies, sorry, were so important for the game because it gave you something to do and think about while your opponent took their, their half an hour turn. Well, and I, I just declared that a problem with the game having half hour turns. I'm like, no, it's not I go, you go as fall as half hour no, turns fall. Is. It is. Even if, if you're scaling it down, like whenever you have that kind of thing, you need to break it down, right? To a thing where it's more rough. I activate guys, then you activate guys. And there's, there's a huge problem with I go, you go, not, even when your turns are not that long, let's say you have a five-minute turn, I don't know how you would even do that with a five-minute turn, um, is the way that it works. Because now you're moving your entire board state. You're changing your entire board state before your opponent can react to it, right? So your opponent can and, make no plans at all? Yes, and can make no like interruptions, and it's much less interactive, right? where you move everything. So everything that I have changes, and then you get to go, and then everything you have changes in terms of state, what they're doing, whatever, and then everything I do have changes. Whereas when even when you're doing something that's less, less I go, you go, like something like uh, Warhammer Apocalypse, where you activate in, um, what do you call it, groupings, right? So you have three or four different groupings. Where I activate a portion of my models, then you can activate, and then I can activate. That's no longer I go, you go, even though you can say, oh, it's only three activations switching up. Because... Certain things stay static while you're activating a different thing, right? So you so can it's, still do something you're planning on doing? Yes, right? So you can, so there is that like back and forth, and there is that some sort of static things that, that you're interacting with after your opponent did something different, right? That, even if it's not just the time of things like War Machine, where it takes like, you could lose on your last activation because of the, what was it, my number nine? Uh, uh, when the game gotchas, right? You could lose on your last activation, and then you have to spend half an hour while your opponent like has a 99% win av- chance, but they have to play it out very, very carefully so that they have so that the dice rolls mean they have a 99%. So it takes half an hour for them to play it out, even though you've already basically lost. Like that's what happens with I go you go. It's terrible. And every single time I've seen games that switch from I go you go to alternating activation, the game has become better. It becomes more fun, more interactive. You can still pull off combos that become harder and more interesting. And then it gives your opponent some sort of pre-warning so that your gotchas are not nearly as bad. Because oftentimes if you have a gotcha, right? It, you know, a lot of the times they're like a bunch of pieces activating to to overall make the gotcha happen. Um, when you have I go, you go, even if you make a mistake, you can kind of recover because... Sorry, when you have alternate activation, you can kind of recover. Maybe not optimally, but you can try to cover up the issues that you you had when the, the person sprung that thing on you yeah when when they do the game with i go you go that your opponent has no reactions often it'll come to the turn where you meet in the middle and whoever gets the first go as soon as you're about to meet in the middle will win the game yeah like old school games have that. Strikes. 
the Alpha, alpha Strikes are so too random, powerful. just yeah. rolling for the Alpha Striker, having some ability to take it, would just yeah. be like, oh, there was the game. But I just think what new games have figured out how to like have interruptions that make an I go, you go viable. Name one. Name one where alternative activation isn't better. Yeah, it's usually better. It's, There's your go. It's so terrible. Shouldn't see it. The only one is Infinity, and Infinity is not really I go, you go. As long as the guys fight back, you shoot them, they shoot you. You fight them, they fight you. It's not then. Well, where you have no, where you have no um, agency. Well, no, but at least you can win something. At least as long as you can win something when you're the reacting player. Even if you have no agency. Yeah, if you have no agency, you could still win the battle. Like the opponent initiates the battle. I disagree. I think that's terrible. I I hate it. It makes everything worse, in my opinion. Yeah, it usually does. All right. I, I can't believe it didn't make your list. That's crazy. And what was yours? Bucket of the Dice. It also didn't make my list. So now you would think I'm crazy. No, for not putting that Buckets of Dice? Fine. It can work. So did you buckets think that my, my number one was going to be Buckets of Dice? Mm-hmm. So you avoid oh, playing these games. You, I do avoid playing that. I, that was that was on my list, but it didn't make my top ten. No, it didn't even make the top ten. I thought you said it was hard to name ten. Anyway. No, you said well, it's hard to name ten, but this is not some because I like everyone's. It's hard to name top ten that I don't think that I think are all bad, because sometimes I like rolling buckets of dice. So it was on my list of things that I was that that could have made it, but it was too hot. Okay. Like like I said, a lot of these things, you know, especially the the higher ones. Unlike I go, you go. <laughs> I could play games with a little bit of them, right? Like I said, buckets of dice, a little bit, up to a point. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, All right. the buckets of dice is just like another thing that comes down to the bookkeeping, mm-hmm. where once you have a bucket of dice, it's pretty much like a standardized outcome because it starts getting closer to the mean. Mm-hmm. So why are you not doing something in the game to simplify this? Mm-hmm. And also just like having to like pick through dice like you don't even know what just happened you roll some dice what happened we don't mm. even know you pick them up you're like even worse like they repeat the buckets of dice you're like oh okay you rolled the hit oh time to roll the wound oh time to roll yeah. the save let's keep picking up this bucket you we're, sp- we're talking about 40k we're talking about for and kings of war too yeah all of these i guess technically yeah, all of these ones that spawned off that kind of generation yeah where they don't do anything to simplify it where if you got a certain number of guys it just adds or multiplies but it's like, no, just go through and count. Just keep counting dice, then roll them again, and just keep counting. You're like, yeah. it was fun once, but this is the whole game. Yeah. It revolves around just, like, counting dice. It feels count more like you're playing craps than you're playing a miniatures game. Something like that. It's... Although craps is actually more fun, because you have the excitement of one die roll, which is more like mm-hmm. Infinity, or where you can kind of see it exactly, or, or Frostgrave, where it's just one dice roll. I think one of the things, I used to like it a lot more, one of the, the the literal game that disabused me of this was Frostgrave. When I realized rolling that one die gave me all of the fun and even more excitement of seeing if my one die was good. Mm-hmm. Like, and then I thought, you know, exactly like craps, I guess, rolling the one thing, it just makes everything more exciting. Even if, like you said, you can you can curve it out, you know, two dice, three dice, you know. Yeah, you get to know the outcome when something happens. Supposedly, like, oh, it's bookkeeping time again. Yeah, exactly. Let's calculate this out for a little while to see if it was actually okay, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how many can I re-roll? Oh, maybe it did happen. Oh maybe God. it didn't. Rerolling ones and buckets of dice is the worst. It's not just failures, but it's like you then you got to pick up ones, then you re-roll them, then you so you have to 
then you then you have to also look go look and see you know, afterwards to see if they actually hit. Yeah, I think I name it as so egregious because it's so easy to fix. You can just like apply multipliers or like add damage or something once you know that it's become the bucket level. But they just yep. they usually don't bother. Because <laughs> some people like the buckets. Although I don't know anyone that likes throwing more than like what 16 dice, 10, 16 dice, 20 dice is like the maximum for like ridiculous amounts. Like how are you even rolling all of those without them falling on the, on on the table? Like, and then you have to the use those. You have to use those cursed little GW dice, the 12-millimeter ones. <laughs> yeah. You have to have a little box, right? But if you have 20, you might even miss the box because there's so many dice, or over 20, 40, 80 sometimes when you have orcs. It's just like – it's ridiculous. I agree. Mm-hmm. It's terrible if you have a lot, but it can be fun sometimes. It can, but the whole those games just make you do it over and over. So – and. It should be obvious. Yeah. It's just, it's just an obvious thing that they. It's not yeah, even like I, something they have you, to think hard about or playtest. Yeah, if you say it over twenty dice, I think it's ridiculous. I think one of the great things about Apocalypse is that they just scaled it up. So like, now some people roll one, and then a, a, you roll a lot. You roll like five and maximum ten, right? Like, do you really need to make it higher than that? Yeah, or you just change the threshold you're rolling for once you get yeah. a certain number. Like, there's so many things they could do, and they're just like, no, nah, we're we're too lazy to like. Make this game. They can't better. change it now. They can't change it now because everyone is invested in their d6s, so they can't change from d6s, right? If you want to change the target number, mm-hmm. d6 is not granular enough, right? You probably need a d10 for for 40k. I mean specifically, right? Yeah. You you could actually technically, but like generally, it's not. So because you can't do a doubling too easily in increments like that. Yeah, in increments of what 18% or something like that. Yeah. Or 16%. Um. So, yeah, so then what they have to do uh, is constantly just use D6s and then do weird things like rolling ones. I don't know. I I assume some people like it a lot. You, you think it's just historical? Like, there's a lot of people that, that put that into new games as well. So I feel like some people just like rolling a lot of dice. Maybe they do, but I can't see building a game around that. Like I don't see building an entire community around if there's a new game that. where you have twenty dice. It is kind of interesting. Like when you buy a dice pack from GW, I think they only come with ten dice. Oh, they don't care. Eight, eight you, or ten. You buy, you buy three packs. That's good for them. They're not. <laughs> yeah. That's not their problem. That's... They're happy when you do that. They're like, oh yeah, actually we wanted to sell them in packs of five, but maybe that was a little bit too ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. So that was our top 10 worst game mechanics. And our number ones were different. Mm-hmm. How many did we have that were the same? It was just the one around the... Just the XP snowballing? Yep. Wow, we have very, very different views on, on what's negative. That's very interesting. I think mine focused more on what's like easy to avoid. It's like, this is clearly right in front of you. You should have done something. They just didn't. That's where I, that's what I focused on, I think. Yeah, well, I also focused on... Oh, You focused on things just like shit. <laughs> I forgot to mention one. Mm-hmm. I had to mention this. Number 11, um, bonus track. Honorable, honorable mention, Link Teams from Infinity. Because they hit a whole bunch of, of problems. They have they get free bonuses. Um, they're overly complicated. Um, did I say something about uh, 
breaking core systems. I didn't, eh? Didn't no, we didn't it. talk about that. That's pretty comp. I sort of talked about the core system of like the movement thing, but they at least yeah. kind of move like other stuff. Yeah, the breaking of the core systems. Uh, I guess that's well, one of the the most egregious things is one of the abilities actually cancels an ability, six sense level two. Mm-hmm. So and then the discover it's just a terrible kind of mechanic. The movement and especially when they have better systems in there for the exact same thing. Oh. I hate the mechanic. And I wish it was gone. You can say it lets buckets of dice be created too in Infinity. You're like, oh, you get more dice. There's yes, only one more relatively dice. Relatively speaking. Mm-hmm. It can relatively be a lot. Different. It can be you can get up to six now because of that stupid rule. Mm-hmm. So um It's twice yeah. as many as most normal weapons, yeah. Yeah, it's terrible. And most people don't bring sixty D twenties, so it makes it harder to roll as well. So yeah, I just had to mention that because I mentioned that every single time we talk about Infinity. On my crusade to feel bad about link teams and make other people feel bad about them too, because it's not changing it. <laughs> they just release no, it's new just, rules for them. <laughs> the blowback was very minor. Yeah, Every, there's always complaints when there are changes, but you know, all these things we listed, game makers should change. There, there were people that complained. There's like I, when I complained about it, I don't, there were not that many people that fought me on it, which I thought was kind of surprising. Um, so there were people that I think. There's some sort of acknowledgement. They're just like, eh, it's fine, right? As opposed to saying, no, you are wrong. This is awesome. Well, it falls into the thing we mentioned a few times before, where you can increase balance, but at the cost of complexity. Mm. That's what they did. We we mentioned that for a whole bunch of these bad mechanics. Well, also they didn't just do that. They gave free bonuses. It's just part of the same game, right? So they accidentally gave free bonuses and they accidentally put canceling enemy abilities and they didn't remove it like if this is a new mechanic it would be a lot worse than it is as an existing mechanic that you actually have to put an effort to remove right Mm -hmm. like if they invented it brand new i think there would be a lot more outcry especially since they have so many other things going on within it yeah but i didn't make a list because we don't want to do one game specific ones (laughs) maybe it should have I'd originally I had it at number 10, but I, I, I just kept it separate. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so you want to go to, yeah, I guess that's that's basically it. Do you have any other honorable mentions or other things that kind of hit a whole bunch of things that you just want to get off your chest now that we're being super negative talking about the 10 worst game mechanics? Well, I, I had one train one in there about, because so many train makers make train with windows in it. But then the game maker's like, oh, no, we didn't address windows in the rules. So, so maybe you can just shoot through the window and it's like it's not even there. Even though like mm-hmm. this piece of terrain is meant to be a solid wall to block line of sight. But yeah. in the game, and the game makers know that's how most terrain is. And they're mm-hmm. just like, oh, no, I guess it's not even a wall. I guess it's not even there. They just they don't deal with the so lacking of, of terrain rules of of window rules oh, specifically windows specific. okay it was too specific so i took it off but it, it's a okay. big i see it, it's a repeated problem in a lot of different games mm-hmm. yeah it is one of those things though it's not quite as bad because you can always house rule it right you can. that's one of those things that people often just house rule so yeah. you shouldn't have to because it's so so frequent <laughs> all right so yeah those are 10 worst game mechanics uh plus one extra for both of us uh and uh, that's basically it so if you have any thoughts if you want to disagree with us tell us that we're totally wrong and actually i go you go is amazing and buckets of dice makes things so much more fun then contact us email us at contact at dice we will definitely read 
everything that you write. And we'll send you a response. If yeah, we'll you, go listen to the podcast yeah. again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you made it this far, so that, that's kind of not the right response. So anyhow. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, you can email us at contact us at dice over contact at dice over everything dot com or yep, find us on Facebook or dice over everything. Uh, yep. That's uh, basically it. This has been Alan. Yeah, it's been Brandon. Bye.